Season 4, Episode 1 of the Bird Enough Podcast. My name is Adam, and I'm your host on the podcast where we discover birds and the people that pursue them. The Birding Life is proud to be associated with Swarovski Optic, one of the world's leading producers of binoculars, monoculars, and spotting scopes, as well as the Bird Lasser bird logging app, Spot, Plot, Play a Part. Download and install the app to play your part in social conservation. This is our Birding Life show for season four, and today I'm joined by Kelvin Harris and Mark Haystack, who will each be telling us about an app they've been using when they've been out birding. Kelvin will be telling us about eBird and Mark about iNaturalist. These are both free apps that we believe will help you as a birder and enhance your understanding of the natural world around you. The Birding Life Show is proudly sponsored by Outliers Coffee Roasters. Outliers Coffee Roasters feel strongly about two things, great tasting coffee and conservation that makes a difference. Various conservation organizations directly benefit from the sale of each bag of the unique blend. Not only can their customers enjoy great tasting coffee, but can now do so knowing that they have provided crucial support for our country's wildlife warriors of today. Order quality coffee and make your contribution to conservation. www.outliercoffee.co.za So let's start this week's episode. Firstly with a chat with Kelvin Harris and straight after that, we will chat to Mark Haystack. Please note that due to the delays with the release of this episode due to the KwaZulu-Natal floods, some of the dates may be a little out of sync. Calvin starts off by telling us some of his recent birding adventures. Yeah, cheapest. Um, the, the floods have definitely put a, uh, a dampener on, on everyone's birding, excuse the pun there. But I also I also know from from experience and, and just you know what some of the top bird guys will always say is that after we've had incredible rains like we've had, um, the birding really cranks up a gear. Certainly, a week or two afterwards, it's just it's just amazing how how all of a sudden waders and things like that are just attracted to some crazy areas. So, so yeah, it has been a while since I've been birding. I probably haven't done anything substantial since flock um, in January. Can you believe it? I mean, the year's just gone, just flying by already. I mean, we're already in May as we as we as we record this. But I managed to head out to um, to to uh, Isimanga Liso uh, Wetland Park, so Eastern Shores. Uh, a lot of people know that as Cape Vidal as well, and it's it's typically not a not a reserve I'll go to specifically. I'll, if I go down to St Lucia, we'll go up to St Lucia rather. Um, it's about a two hour it's a two hour drive straight from my house, so it's 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 manageable in a, in a day. I normally I normally hit the sort of Iguala Iguala Trail, which is pretty popular, and then I'll go through to the estuary. But with all the rain, interesting enough, the the, the St Lucia estuary the the the, the the mouth has broken naturally. I think that's the first time it's happened in in many many years. I, I'm, I'm not an expert on the, on the area, so I don't know. I can't tell you exactly when last that happened, but I know that there there needs to be substantial um, uh, water coming down the Umfulosi River, I believe it is, um, uh, that joins with the w- w- with the actual estuary to 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 bust the bank and and to break it through. And and the images that I've seen have been quite incredible. You know, typical sort of crocodiles washing up the beach and Barble everywhere and, and the bird life going crazy. But with that being said, there's quite a quite a substantial flow. So fr- from what I've seen, there's not too many mud flats. Anyway, long story short, I thought I'd try uh, eastern shores. And with the amounts of rain we've had, there is water absolutely everywhere. That park has come alive. So if you're listening to this and you've got a chance to shoot out there anytime soon, I would highly, highly recommend it. I mean, the birding was incredible. Um, I, I think it was. 
a couple of guys reported on the on the KZN Redbird alert um, on the Telegram group about a week or two back about Lesa Moyhan being seen. Um, I managed to pick it up today. Uh, some of the other interesting birds had lovely, lovely sighting with the uh, with the saddlebill stalk and male. Uh, I probably sat with it for about half an hour while I was catching frogs and fish and all sorts of things. It's great, took some great photos. Yeah, uh, it's just it's just a, a brilliant and and quiet park as well. I mean, we, we we've we, we as I as we speak, we were in the middle of another long weekend just after Easter. Uh, we had Workers' Day, I believe, yesterday, and I expected the park to be busy. And and I, t- I tell you what, I only saw one car come past me throughout the entire time that I was in the park. So it was just a magical experience and and, and some amazing birding. Just to mention as well, some great raptor sightings: southern banded snake eagle. Brown snake eagle. I was actually hoping to to get um, uh, black chested as well, so that I could I could complete the 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 the, the trifecta there, but um, wasn't able to pick it up sadly. Yeah, I, I'm sure a few others will come to me as I speak. But um, just while I'm while I'm on this sort of train of of, of birding, thank goodness um, my young son is getting a bit older now, so he can be passed on to the to the outlaws. Sorry, I mean the in laws, and. Um, yeah, we can uh, we can sort of palm them off for not palm them off. That's the wrong word, but 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 hand them over for an hour or two. And we actually we're heading up to Tembi in two weeks' time, uh, Tembi Elephant Park, which um, you know as the name suggests is very very well known for its elephant elephant population. Is I believe it's still got a few big tuskers. And um, if anyone's familiar with the story, uh, the Elephant Whisperer, uh, that, uh, that that story was actually based on on Tembi in terms of. Uh, the guard um, managing the the animals and the, and and the elephants there. Uh, so anyway, you know this is a birding podcast and not about mammals, but uh, the special bird in the area that I hope to find and I've made a I put in a special request with the guards uh, is the plainback sunbird, which is um, it's it's known to be quite uh, reliable in 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 Tembi and um, yeah I'm hoping to hoping to pick it up. So yeah, some great stuff on the cards. Just while we're talking about Zululand, uh, one of the accommodation places that is actually on a directory is Ghost Mountain Inn. And just was funny that Calvin was talking about Zululand. And, you know, I actually put this advert on today. So when I was, you know, posting the advert on, I was quite excited that Calvin was actually going to be talking about Zululand because this inn or lodge is right in the middle of Zululand. I just was looking. I mean, it's literally right in the Makuzi area, and there's like 420 species. Looking there, it's like pink throat, twin spot, Rudza Palace, Niagot Sunbird, African Broadbill, Green Malkoa, Mangrove Kingfisher, African Firefinch, Narina Trogan, Pals Fishing Owl, Blue Mantle, Crested Flycancher. I mean, it's absolutely a stunning destination. I just was going through it today and just realizing I need to make a make a plan to go up there. So, yeah, that's um, Ghost Mountain Inn. So check them out on our birding directory. I'll pop a link into the comments section. We're going to be talking about apps today. We go into the we go out into the, into the bush, and you know, for myself who who works like most people who work and that kind of thing, you know, we're on our phones all the time. We're on WhatsApp. We on some people use Facebook as part of their work, and you're on emails. And the thing that a lot of people would say is, surely when we when we get out into the wild, we should be wanting to disconnect our phones. Why should we be looking to use these 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 apps? when we go out and how do they actually enhance our birding and our even our enjoyment of nature yeah <laughs> yeah i've got a real love-hate relationship with with birding apps adam especially listing apps which are which i'll get onto in a second but i think to you know to, to ask you answer your second question first i often ask myself what is the 
what is the typical makeup of a birder? What is a you know if if we were to sort of write down the the typical att- attributes of a birder? Well, there's a few that sort of come to mind. I think first and foremost they they they're highly ambitious. Um, you know everyone wants to see that next bird. Um, whether you're just a casual birder or you're a serious lister, you know you. Once you start seeing one or two, then you know the excitement builds, and you start you know wanting to sort of broaden your horizons and go a little bit further out and go to different places and and try and see different birds. So there's that. We like to be right because if we see a bird and we we, we call out an ID, we I mean depending on your personality, nine out of ten times you're going to be like, well that's the bird that I saw. You can't change my mind. Um, so we're a little bit stubborn in, in that sense, but also we quite um, birders are quite analytical. You know we like to. We like to talk about stats, uh, you know, when a bird was seen last, um, how many times it's been seen in, in, in South Africa. I mean, we've got obviously got, you know, birding royalty in this country like like Trevor Hardacre and Digby Cyrus or just just uh, Jenny Norman, just to name a few, that have been keeping lists for years and years. And they can tell you, geez, the breeding plumage of the bird that was seen in 1976 in the Beechwood mangroves, you know. Funny enough, that's actually a spot where an African pitta has actually popped up. So, you know, right there, look at that in the sort of annals of history. But anyway, so we, we, you know, birders are typically analytical and we like stats. We like to keep records. Who Who's going to see or use these records? We never really know, but we like to think one day we'll be called upon to to pull our records out and, and to answer some weird and wonderful question and Maybe, you know, if anything, maybe they just help you on a birding quiz day. You know, you, you never really know. So just getting to my my, my sort of point about my love-hate relationship with, with birding apps. Well, as I speak to you, I've got, probably got about six field guide apps on my phone, which I think I think it's not a bad thing. I mean, every, as we know, you know, when it comes to Roberts or Sassol or Bird Pro or any of those, They've all got they've all got their own sort of uh, takes on how to how to identify a bird. You know, they might have different pictures. So, so I think they do sort of complement each other when you're out in the field to to draw comparisons. Or, you know, on the uh, heaven forbid one app crashes, at least you've got something else. Especially if you're just going to go purely digital. Uh, I, I do remember uh, being out in a just an anecdote. I remember being out in one of the birding. Well, at that stage it was called bird life port Natal, so i'm going to call it that for now sandy Dupreer uh, came to me when and i was scrolling through an app and she said you know what calvin that app looks brilliant but i've got a book here that never ever runs out of battery and and you know and she's got all her lists written in that book but anyway that's quite an interesting thing so yes i mean so, so for field guards it's it, it you know it doesn't hurt to have a couple but the, where the real challenge comes in um you know unless you're going to keep handwritten lists is to get some sort of lo- listing software now I started off my birding journey with a, 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 a piece of software that I still use to this day called Bird Journal. Now, I've always been a diehard fan and any of my friends, uh, Steph or Marco Francini, they'll know I always beat the drum about, about Bird Journal and it's, you know, it's quite a clunky system and it's, it's a little bit sort of, it doesn't have the best user interface, but I just like it because you, I was able to upload my photos against my sightings. So if I'd seen a bird, I could upload the photo that I took to it, and that was my library. That was the one place where I stored all my information. What was also nice about this particular app, and I can put a link in the comments uh, below this as well if, if you are interested. It also store. It also you can keep mammal lists. So a lot of these, a lot of the apps we're going to talk about are are very bird specific. Whereas Bird Journal, you can download the mammals of the world and and keep record of your mammal sightings, your butterfly sightings, your reptile sightings. So it is kind of an all in one, but um, this one, you know, this one works for me. 
and kind of uh, unfortunately with these sort of listing tools you get to the point of no return where you put so much information and so many years of of listen into it that you kind of can't afford to go change change it up but anyway I'm, I'm obviously a sucker for punishment because then I got into um, bird lesser which which is the birding life we know and love and 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 you know we we, we really are appreciative of the work that Hank Nell does and and all that he's done for Sabap too and and yeah, I mean, it really is probably I would I would argue the most user friendly app that's out there because it works anywhere you are. Doesn't need data to operate. You know, it's quick, it's intuitive, and it's very sort of South African centric, which is nice. It was built for South Africa and then has been rolled out for the rest of the world. So you know, Birdlast has always been close to our hearts, and it is a fantastic tool, especially from a, a research point of view. But um, I think off the back of Flock. Uh, I saw a lot of international birders making use of eBird, and I've always heard of eBird, and and it's always been in the background. But I always thought to myself, well, Birdlesser does the same thing. Why would I want to? Why would I want to get stuck into that now? But anyway, I downloaded it on my phone, and it's obviously got a web application as well. And I'll tell you what, I have gone down the rabbit hole with this thing because it is from a from a research point of view, and and looking at you know target species of birds when they've been seeing, they've got fantastic bar graphs. Uh, you know, of, of to to see when a bird is is likely to be seen, or who's who saw it last, and 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 just really it goes deep, and obviously it's global, and it was, it's it's backed by, I think it's also backed by Cornell Lab, and it's got it's it's a I mean it's a, it's a high powered business. I mean eBird is a they employ I believe they employ lots and lots of developers. It's a it's a, it's a massive operation. So they've got the they've got the sort of the financial backing and the and the manpower behind it to make a really really powerful app and it it can give you so much information. I'm not going to go into the details about how it works, but it it, it works in a very similar fashion to to uh, Birdlasser. But what's really nice about it is that you can go in and actually research what they what they call birding hotspots. So for example, uh, I, I spoke earlier about my trip to Tembe. I can go into uh, Tembe as a location. I can go see when last the planned sunbird was seen, who saw it, how, in what month of the year it's most likely to occur. It's just quite a at-your-fingertips research tool, I think, more than just the listing app. Obviously, the listing function is excellent, and um, you know you can keep your, your year list for, for KwaZulu-Natal, South Africa, the world. It does all of those things, but it's also so much more than that. So I highly encourage you to just go and play with it and, and see, see if it works for you. It might not work for you. It might be, you know, like, you know, stick with your handwritten lists and some people will never ever move from that. But for someone that maybe wants to dig a little bit deeper from the research and the stats point of view, I would definitely give it a crack. The thing that I'm always concerned about eBird is is this, is that, you know, how widely is it used in South Africa? Because, you know, obviously we know Birdlasser, there's the challenges and almost everyone in South Africa seems to be on Birdlasser, except for maybe the the guys who do guiding like your Adam Riley's and that they, I know that a lot of them use um, eBird, but you know, how widely uses it? And the reason I asked that question is you spoke about going, you know, when you go to trips, go to destination. I mean, you know, for that data to be accurate, there has to be lots and lots of people logging data in and how much data is being logged into these, in, in, into eBird that to, to, to ensure that when you go there, that the that it's more accurate than, for example, I don't know if more accurate is the right word, but it, it carries the same weight as something like Sabab, for example. It's a great question, Adam. And I think I think the short answer is that I think more and more people are cottoning onto it. Um, I know Neil Perens has always been a um, been a huge sort of fan and, and, and proponent of eBird. I think I think the tour companies that attract the international market, just because 
you know, if you're going to bring in sort of US birders or European birders who e-bird is kind of their, their day-to-day, it makes sense for you to be familiar with it. But, I mean, for example, and I hope I hope for the sake of, of, of the actual format um, or, or, or the resource rather, that people are going to be doing this over time. But I've actually started uploading all my historical uh, lists to, to eBird already. I'm currently on 2019. Look, I'm not the I'm not the oldest birder in terms of time, years birding around. I think I, I started recording lists on Bird Lesser, for example, and Bird Journal in about 2013. So I'm, I've caught up about six years worth of lists, and I intend to get right up to date as in today. But, um, yeah, I mean, you make a good point. The more people that use it, the better it's going to get. Uh, I think it, and I just want to make it very, very clear. It's, it's not here to to replace bird lesser or, you know, the one shouldn't be seen over the other, but they they, they two, they actually both serve two different, very, uh, very different functions. Uh, bird lesser is obviously, like I mentioned, very South African centric, although that information does get used across Africa. I mean, I know that I think there's a huge bird lesson community in Nigeria, funny enough. And, um, you know, obviously for us, for SABAP and, and African Bird Atlas, it's highly, highly useful. Those same functions can be found on eBird on their website as well. But um, yeah, I just think over time, the more people that pick it up, the the, the more accurate the data is going to get. Um, last sort of point on it, I think, I mean, for example, today when I was looking on, on Eastern Shores and I was, I was eBirding, as it were, there were a few birds that I had logged for the first time in, in the park. And that's just because, you know, maybe someone just hasn't eBirded there a lot. But you know, the more that that happens, the better the resource will be. The one thing I want to ask you, you know, you said you weren't going to touch on this, but I think when I had a chat to Mark before, I know for myself and Mark, we we haven't really used eBird. And I'll be honest with you, one of the reasons I haven't used eBird is because I find it quite complicated. And that's not necessarily because it is complicated. It's probably just operates a little bit differently to the way that Bird Lasser works. So, you know, just for people that might be listening, how easy is it to use? Just tell us a little bit how does how does one go about logging birds? So when you went up to up into Zululand today and did a trip, what did that look like? How, what did what preparation did you need to be able to log, and how did the logging process look? Yeah, look, it's it's obviously a bit tricky to explain, you know, just just on a podcast, and uh, so I would encourage people to sort of download the app and play around with it, and, and obviously. You know, no one's going to shoot you down if you log a wrong bird in the wrong area. Although I know Clayton Byrne is uh, Clayton Byrne is the South Africa, uh, sorry, is the KwaZulu Natal uh, administrator for eBird. So if there are any funny uh, sightings, he'll he'll ping you an email and just sort of query it and and ask if it maybe was a finger slip, like much like Dave Rimmer does now for for Birdlasser. But the, the the thing is to look at to look at eBird a little bit differently to, to BirdLasser, where BirdLasser, you create your card and you go. Uh, eBird, you can do the exact same thing, but at the end, it's going to ask you to select from a few pre-populated locations. So, for example, if I'm birding in Zululand and I'm going to different areas, w- what you want to kind of do is is create specific lists for, for specific reserves. So, let's say I'm spending two days in Mkuzi. I would bird those two days and I would I would finish that card, as it were, and then mark that location as Mkuzi Game Reserve. Then if I go across to Manyoni, I would go and do my birding there, and I would select Manyoni as a, a, as a location. And then if I might be heading home, uh, going down to Durban and going to St. Lucia Estuary, I'd bird there and then select St. Lucia Estuary as my, as my location. W- why that is important is that if I'm doing research, let's say I haven't been to St. Lucia Estuary or Manyoni or, or Mkuzi respectively before, I can click on any of those locations and I can see exactly what birds were seen recently, um, who saw them, and the the, the you know the most up to date list of of or most the, the highly likely 
uh, to be seen species in the area based on, on accurate records. It's no good saying I spent five days birding in Zululand and I just kept my trip card running because at the end of it, you won't be able to pin down one specific location. It's better, it's easier to sort of segment it. You might think to yourself, oh, that just seems like extra admin. But once you play with the app and, and you start benefiting from other people's efforts and resources and, and those location, uh, it'll make a lot more sense and you'll be a lot more inclined to to participate in that as well. So one thing that's coming up next week uh, on the... 14th of May, I just Googled it right now, is the Cornell Lab Global Big Day, and that actually uses the eBird app. That's something you were kind of alluding to about the guides. I think one nice thing about eBird is it kind of links you not just to the South African birding community, but it almost links you to this global birding community. Yeah, that's uh, that's absolutely right. Um, you know, South Africa is is obviously a, a, a global birding hotspot, and, and there's a lot of sort of foreign birders and, 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 and tourists that are are looking to us, um, you know, before they plan their trips and they and they may be uh, working out their lists in terms of their target species. And, and eBird is a resource for that. You can go and literally print out a checklist of birds that you still need to see in whatever location. And you can and it doesn't have to be specific to one little area. You can zoom out. You can go what birds do I still need to see in KwaZulu Natal. What birds do I still need to see in South Africa. What birds do I still need to see in Southern Africa. So, you know, it it really is that sort of you know that sort of resource where where you can tailor it to your needs, and, and further to that, and 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 you know obviously the the opposite is true. So if you're planning a trip to go overseas, if you you I don't know you're visiting some family in in England, which which so many of us do have at this stage, you know you can maybe do a bit of research and go and look at what the latest birds have been seen in Hyde Park, you know in London, and um, go, go and dip in there and go and have a look, and and possibly try and link up with some of the people that have been birding there recently, because you know. Uh, it, it it's not a very invasive tool, but you can certainly see who is logged what bird where, and and you can maybe connect with these sort of people. So you know that's uh, that's part of the community aspect. One last thing I, I I'll also say about it, um, and I don't think I mentioned it earlier, is that it you know like I mentioned about Bird Journal being one of the being a resource where you can upload your own photos. Uh, eBird you can very much do the same thing. So you can do. A recording of calls, sound recordings. You can upload your photographs against your sightings. Uh, so you can keep your own sort of sightings library, if you will, un- under your own profile. I think you can mark it private. So if, unless if you don't want anyone to see it, that's fine. But you can also contribute towards the global resource of, of different colors. I mean, different photographs of different birds as and when you see them. And, you know, there might be geographic vari- uh, variation that someone might pick up not only in, in, in plumage, but also in call. So there's all those sort of things. So yeah, it, it really is. I mean, we are all birders across the world. It doesn't matter where you do it. You know, we all appreciate the same things. And like I started at the beginning of this conversation, I think we all share one, if not all of those traits, like I mentioned. Um, you know, so this is just another tool to, to supplement that, you know. You know, I know there might be people listening. I know this goes out on radio stations and everything now who might be newer to birding. This is a free app. Um, go get on the app store and it's quite quite easy to use and it's a fantastic app. So, Kelvin, thanks, man. It's been good to have a chat again. Uh, hope to do some birding together. So, yeah, um, thanks for the time and, yeah, I look forward to checking you soon, man. Thanks, Adam. Yeah, and, and just, uh, you know, if there's anyone out there that, that's listening and, and is keen to give eBird a try, definitely do so and um you know you feel free to reach out to me i'm I'm by no means an ebird expert but if i can help you set something up and set up a location or a hot list uh, i'll definitely do my best to try 
Okay, so I'm joined by Mark Haystack, and he is our Youth Birding Podcast host. It's really cool to chat to you. It's always fun to have you on the show. So welcome to Mark, all the way from Decop. <laughs> cool bananas. Thanks, Adam. It's lucky to be here. How's it? Hey, man, it's awesome. Besides not having electricity, life <laughs> is good. So yeah, man, you've been doing a whole lot of birding. We've been following your adventures. For people who are not following Mark on Instagram, go give him a follow. Um, we'll pop the link into the comments of the show. But how has your birding been? I've been following you on your Instagram stories. You are popping a whole lot of stuff on there and really cool stuff is happening. So how has your birding and your nature adventuring been? Lucky, yeah. So it's been it's been quite productive over the last uh, two months or so. Now I'm a last year of school. You know, the tricks is, is taking its toll. It's a bit of a it's a bit of a mission to to get through. But I mean, you know, evening birding out with with schoolwork, it, I've managed to get out a couple of times. Usually, um, most of the time in my my local patch. So that's been the Oatsnickel Mountains. See March checking my bird lasser here. I've, I had red wing Franklin, which I which was a lifer for me coming up the Oatsnickel Mountain. Then something very exciting that happened was, yo, I, I absolutely love this twitch. It, there was a Eurasian oyster catcher in uh, Plettenberg Bay. And in fact, it's still there. I think it's been there for like five months now uh, that they've, they've counted. And it's it's one of only two that's in South Africa at the moment, or was one of only two at the moment. And um, in March, I got together with a couple of youth birders, uh, two guys from Cape Town, one guy from Noordwes, uh, uh, Northwest province of South Africa, and then Justin Ponder and myself, who stay in the garden route, and we joined up in Plet to go twitch this Eurasian oyster catcher. Um, it was a lifer for one of us, and uh, it was just a great get-together with some young fellow birders, and we had a, a nice day of birding around Plettenberg Bay, got some lifers for, for Yuri Blachnot, who, who was um, yeah, one of his, his uh, first times to the Plet area getting some good birds. Um, and although he had been to the area before, it was one of the, the best explorations he's had of the area. But Yuri Blachnot, interestingly, over the last two months, I think it was in, when was it? Uh, let's see. He, he got in March, he found a red-necked phalarope for the first time. Probably it's one of the first times at, at least, perhaps the first time seen in the garden route ever. He found a red-necked phalarope in um, Flea Spy area that uh, was a lifer for me. So, I mean, he was just a visitor to the area and it was so epic that this young birder found a rarity so i was very happy about that so that was another life for me then um also to round it off i went to jeffrey's bay just last month to for for the easter weekend and i got some uh, uh, one or two bogey birds that i hadn't seen in a long time and a lifer big bogey bird uh which was a rufus naped lock uh in in, in jeffrey's bay and I got a little turn at um, St. Francis. So yeah, I've been up to some lack of birding. And also I can see here on my, my most recent lifer on bird lasser is a, a hybrid love bird, but that doesn't count because I don't count those on my life list. So yeah, it's been lacquer. It's been very lacquer. And I said earlier that you are our, the host of our youth birding podcast. And honestly, you're doing such a fantastic job. We're so proud of the job you're doing. So for those that have maybe never listened to the show, what are some of the recent guests you've had on this last season? Alrighty, so I've had some some good friends on, uh, some that I've never actually shook their hands before and officially met. But um, yeah, I've had some guests on the show talking about um, biobashing and all sorts of nature, interesting things that we've seen, each of us have seen around the country. I've had Tristan Spurway, uh, Justin Ponder, um, Jonathan Breitenbach, they were three on one episode with me which is a great chit-chat we had. 
I've been doing a couple of chit chat episodes where we just sort of go off the rails and talk about whatever we want. Um, just as long as we stick to nature and, uh, cool things that we get up to, um, and adventures. So, so yeah, that's, that's actually what I've been mainly chatting about, um, for the, the beginning of this year on the Birding Life Youth Podcast. And I've had some other guests talking about, um, you know, their adventures to certain destinations like Ethan Day. He went to the Karoo National Park at the beginning of this year um, and, and many other times. And he told us about cool things to find there, cool things he found there, cool experiences he had there. And uh, Keanu Kanto was my recent guest who told us a bit about uh, invasive bird species in South Africa, how he was involved in researching and what we could perhaps do about them in terms of, you know, preserving the indigenous fowl uh fauna and flora of, of south africa and you know what to do about the invasive species so yeah i've really enjoyed having these guests on it's, it's helped me learn a lot and um it's been great to chat to these oaks yeah so yeah mark the reason i wanted to get you on the show and we have chatted about this before but i just thought it's one of those topics that i think is so relevant so cool to chat about is you've been doing quite a bit of pushing and even teaching people how to use the iNaturalist app. Mm. Um, what is What makes this app so cool? All right. So I got introduced to iNaturalist by an older man a few years ago while I was walking in my local botanical garden. And I had no idea what it was at the stage. I was just there walking barefoot with my camera in the gardens trying to find my, trying to add a new bird to my list. Uh, this is my beginning stages of birding. And Uncle Colin, he opened up my eyes to a whole new world of nature, which is this program or this community, should I say, called iNaturalist. iNaturalist is a social media app for nature lovers. And um, I think it's great because of this. It's just like Facebook. You create your own account. You can post photos, but they're not just any photos. There are photos and actually sound recordings of any organism, meaning plants, animals, fungi, um, and all the genres and, and types of species of everything. You can post it on there. The software will scan it and suggest things as to what, what species it, 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 it suggests it is. And you can find out about it, post it online. People can comment on it. People can uh, follow you. People can uh, suggest other uh, identifications. So it helps you learn. It helps you share observations about what's in the area and it's worldwide. So yeah, it's a, it's a great platform to share your sightings of animals and plants, but at the same time, contributing to citizen science that is used, um, in, in science, if I could say laboratories or, or, or co libraries, collections, uh, worldwide and international, um, databases, for collecting scientific research data. So, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm on two, almost on 2,000 observations, I think. And, uh, yeah, it's, it's been great to use it because I've discovered new people, people have discovered me, and um, I was able to identify new species of stink bug this way. And I got myself into South Magazine, the whole article, article written about how me and Uncle Colin found out about this new species of stink bug in my local botanical garden that has not been seen anywhere else in the world. It only occurs in this botanical garden, but that's a whole new story on its own. I actually talked about it in one of my previous podcast episodes. So yeah, I love it. I think, Mark, what's really cool about the app is, and I've kind of seen this on your, your social media pages, is the fact that 
a lot of birders are obviously into birds. Um, that's why we birders, but they also love dragonflies, butterflies, plants, um, snakes. Uh, don't know why they like snakes, but anyway, they like snakes. And our naturalist doesn't just fuel your passion for birds, but it gives you a greater understanding of, you know, firstly, everything around the birds and and maybe I don't I don't know maybe it's also helped you to to see the interconnectedness between everything indeed Adam birding is a hobby and a lifestyle that has opened many doors for me and it's opened doors starting with birds you know and 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 the whole world of finding new species learning about species showing off to your mates what you found and discovering new discoveries of things no, no one's ever seen before to to animals like mammals and reptiles and stuff. You know, I started off birding and my in- enthusiasm for nature has just grown abroad from there. Um, and our naturalist is a great tool for this because it helps you learn. You, you can self-teach yourself about the nature around you um, and you can research on our naturalist. Like, it's so cool, you get this map. You can go on Google Maps. Well, it's a Google Map in the app or the website. The website's much better. It's like, yeah, anyways, it's just my preference. And you can check where people have pinned down certain species. So it's great to see where things have been seen. If you want to see this dragonfly, you can search up, okay, uh, this damselfly or this this drop wing in uh, the, the garden route. And it shows like these pins all over the place where people have uploaded their, their sightings. And we see this, if you zoom in, they zoom in, zoom in. There's like five pins over this one wetland of this species. And you know to go there because that's where other people have seen them. Um, and otherwise, you can, you know, vice versa, you can help other people discover where to find uh, observations you found. So, yeah, I mean, obviously, birding is my strong area in nature, um, but I've always loved mammals actually came first, you know, because they're, they're easier to see. They're much more prominent. But, um, yeah, the the spectrum is slowly, slowly broadening for me uh, in terms of what else is out there to find, you know. And... This um, podcast goes out on a whole lot of radio stations, and obviously, not not everyone that listens to this is obviously a birder to say. But I think what makes our naturalist so nice is that this is not just going to appeal to those that are passionate birders, but for those that do Kruger trips, for those that do trips to places like Makuzi and Stuppies and the garden routes, and that this is the type of thing that I think is going to allow people to really take the their love of nature to deeper level. And one thing it's helped me with, and you were speaking about the way the app works. We're not going to go too much into that, but um, I've been trying to learn butterflies and butterflies are incredibly difficult. And my hack for this, this is my hack for this. And it's quite cool is that I take a photo. Sometimes I even take the photo of the, of the butterfly with my cell phone. Cause you can kind of zoom in on the app and then I'll allow the app to give me a suggestion. And what then I'm able to do is I'm able to take that suggestion and I'm able to then go to the book and it kind of um, makes my selection small. It makes it easier for me to get to an identification. For the, so for those that are trying to learn about different plants and butterflies and all those things, iNaturalist does really help you to accelerate that learning process. So I think for those that are not um, – who, who want to grow and understand stuff better. This is uh, the iNaturalist app, which is a free app, is a fantastic place to start. Yeah, indeed. No, iNaturalist has great features like that. Um, I use that all the time. You know, I, I the other day, actually, it was the last day of the City Nature Challenge, 2nd of May. City Nature Challenge is a nice competition on iNaturalist. But um, 
I, I found this butterfly and actually perched on my foot. And I took a photo. And that's just something interesting that happened. But I took a photo of it. I had no idea what it was. And I chucked it on iNaturalist. I had no idea what this thing was. And I let the app scan it for me. And it brought up suggestions, you know. And like the first thing that came up was a fig tree blue. Marina Salinas is the, the scientific name. Oh, oh, my word. It's this beautiful butterfly. It's a lifer for me. It's a new one to my list. Uh, but, yeah, that's cool that you're actually getting into butterflies, Adam. Um, that it's something I'm pretty excited to get into as well. But, again, yeah, as you said, it, it, this cool feature helped me to find out what this species was. And I had no idea what it was. And, um, yeah, I also I got this little pocket guide for butterflies. Uh, which I, I just checked in to see maybe there's other species that are similar, maybe the app's wrong, but the app was 100% correct. The first suggestion that came up was the Marinus salinus, salinus and that's uh, the species that occurs in my area. So I agreed to that identification. I just, when you said that that name, uh, I don't know if you remember, there was a wimpy advert where they were sitting on the, the veranda, this, this old couple, and they were saying these names of coffee. And the, <laughs> the one, the couple said, I, I like it when you talk foreign. <laughs> so, I, so, so when you gave that, 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 that scientific butterfly name, it sounds like you were talking foreign there. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, it is very foreign, actually. It's an ancient language, um, Latin. Well, I suppose it's, it's Greek and Latin mixed together, this, the scientific names. But I, I'm, I'm still working on, on learning how to speak it. It's, it's pretty complex. Yeah, you got to get yourself uh, Steve Woodall butterfly book i mean that's next level it's just an amazing mm. amazing book and yeah fantastic book um we'll maybe try and send you one down yeah maybe late birthday present early christmas present i don't know who'll send me down but but joe you touched on earlier you spoke about these our naturalist challenges what are these things i mean we know about birding big day we know about the global big day we spoke about that with the e-bird but our naturalist also has challenges what do these challenges look like and how can people participate in them yes so our naturalist challenges are on a different level. Um, they're a worldwide competition, so it's 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 just it's Birding Big Day 2.0, except it's um, except sometimes the challenges go over a couple of days, like the Southern Hemisphere BioBlitz and what like what we had recently um, on the the 29th of April to the 2nd of May, the City Nature Challenge, the international challenge to see which municipality or county around the world can see the most species in four days. And uh, so far for the last three years, Cape Town has won. We're going to see how it, how it goes this year. So you see the, the results that come out. But you basically, uh, I mean, someone needs to sign up a municipality, anyone. You know, the, the mayor doesn't have to do it. The, the president doesn't have to do it of the country. It's someone who uses our naturalist. And you have to sign up your county or province or, or, or um, district, Okay. Like the Gardner District is in the City Nature Challenge, even though it's not a city. But let's not get complicated. So you need to try get as many observers who use our naturalist in that area to observe as many things as possible by taking photos and voice recordings, say of birds or frogs. You know, you can identify them by call. So and then upload those to our naturalist, um, which you can then post up there. It gets onto the database, and because it's in that area, you mark there's a demarcated area of your county or district you need to see how many you can find in that area along with your fellow naturalists in the city who gets the most observations slash um, species wins uh, and it's just a title actually so don't don't think there's money necessarily there are actually prizes uh, that's uh, different cities will give but that's not sponsored by naturalists necessarily it's really fun it's 
it's um thrilling and adrenaline rushing you know it's it's like you want to get more than this guy gets and you just you're bio bashing full or full out you know you you lifting rocks you're looking up for birds you looking at trees you're picking flowers to see what is this looking through the microscope it's everything absolutely everything from ants to elephants you want to take photos of absolutely everything so it's uh it's jam-packed not for everyone but everyone can do it yeah, and just on that, just in just the last note, this is like Mark has really alluded to many times. I know we've got listeners all around the world. This is not just an app for South African users. Wherever you are in the world, this is an app you can use where you are. And it'd be really cool to see some of the sightings. And if you are using iNaturalist, you know, drop us an email, info at thebirdinglife.com and tell us how you're finding it. We'd love to just hear some stories about it so I can share them with Mark. But Mark, it's been really cool to chat to you. And looking forward to another episode with you soon. I know on June 16th, you'll be hosting the Birding Life podcast so um, for a, a special um, Youth Day episode. So, yeah, man, thanks for chatting. It's been super cool. Awesome. And, and looking forward to doing it soon again. Yeah, cool. Thanks, Adam. Looking forward to taking over the podcast day. Until then, cheers. Thank you so much for taking the time to listen to this week's show. We hope you're going to go out and give these apps a try. If you try them out, Drop us an email on info at thebirdinglife.com and let us know all about your experiences. All the relevant links will be put in the notes to the show. Until next time, be blessed and happy birding.